0: on today's Daily Charge Supercharged Edition. Diving deep on YouTube's core problems with its creators and how unionizing may or may not really be the answer. So it's actually kind of quiet today, and I'm wondering if that's actually something algorithmic at play. Perhaps the fact that the topic of the show is kind of bashing YouTube if... YouTube is somewhat burying us. I'm dun, dun, dun. not entirely sure. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but uh,
1: well, this is unfair. one of the things. No, this is one of the things because everything is intransparent. It's opaque with with YouTube. We don't know if the reason that there aren't very many people, there are fewer people than normal that would be in our live stream. We don't know if that's because people are just not interested. We don't know if we're getting algorithmically depressed or suppressed these are the kind of things that small to medium YouTube channels want to know and they aren't getting. And so that's why they're making these pushes.
2: Okay. but <laughs> um, Does YouTube owe them anything? That's the thing. They are creating uh, video for the platform in a lot of yeah. cases. What is it? One of, one of the folks that you, you uh, interviewed said that uh, they create stuff for Facebook and Twitter as well. Facebook right. and Twitter do not send them a check. Right. YouTube sends them a check. So beyond that, Is it necessary for them to have more of a relationship? Uh, It seems, at least at this point, YouTube doesn't seem to think so. But the union uh, is arguing for changes. Um, You know, having a human on the other side to actually explain things it, it, on its face, it seems to make a lot of sense, but how many of those employees are actually going to have to exist to be able to explain things? And at the same time, you get into a lot of nuance and a lot of nitty-gritty. Uh, and, and you might have to explain certain things about um, the algorithm and how it actually operates. And right. I, I can really just see how YouTube would have a big problem trying to explain some of those things, right. um, especially through a human operator.
1: Right. Well, the situation right now... The, if the question is, does YouTube owe them anything, it's both yes and no. It depends on how you look at what is the backbone of YouTube. Like what, I mean, YouTube would be nothing without content creators willingly uploading their content. Um, if all of the small to medium ones disappeared and went to another platform... That would mean, I mean, YouTube would still have tons of views, but it wouldn't have the diversity of community that it has. Because, you know, part of the thing that makes YouTube YouTube is not just that PewDiePie is there. It's that you can also watch composting educational videos. Which is, which is what I do. Which is, you know, the great thing about YouTube and the bad thing about YouTube. There's so much content, it's almost impossible for them to handle what they've created at this scale. And that includes YouTubers' demands. So what YouTubers are saying is that it's gotten to the point where you need to you've addressed user safety, you've addressed brand safety for advertisers, you've put those on the front burner, but you aren't putting us on the front burner. We're gonna make you at least address the op address the possibility that you'll take our needs as seriously as those.
2: I, I'm certainly curious to see how things move forward with the LGBTQ plus lawsuit because Not having watched any of that content, I I am certainly wondering why that would get demonetized or deprioritized. That's
1: why they're suing. They don't know. They feel like it must be something like their claim is that there's no other explanation than it's just discrimination, that it's a gay thing, as they as they have been told by somebody at the company when they were on like a service call.
2: Okay. wow. That is certainly unfortunate. And uh sounds like it merits a lawsuit, so we'll see what happens.
1: And Google, obviously, I, I think I actually don't know what they've said, um, what their actual statement on the suit is. Um, I'll pull it up because, in fairness, we should say how Google has responded so far. They haven't had an official um, legal response. They haven't filed anything yet. Um, mm-hmm. But as Brian, why don't you give us some questions, and I'll make sure that we get that up so we can give their side.
0: Uh, well, update, uh, we have been demonetized. Ah! <laughs> I'm I'm shocked. I'm looking at it right now. Like, do you I'm, think it
1: was because of the bleeping, or do you think it's because of other other things? Just guess. There's no
0: way that their algorithm works so fast that it caught the bleeps. And besides, their bleeps—that's the point. Right. This is because we tagged the show with FairTube. I guarantee Which, whatever. it. Whatever.
2: It's a it's a news show. Whatever. That's No, okay. the,
1: the, but I think that the issue here is this is the kind of thing that frustrates a lot of YouTubers that are on this that aren't on the scale of a PewDiePie. Or a Fine Brothers, or even, or even a Fine Brothers, which is you know sure. smaller. It's like one fifth the size of that. You know,
2: right? We don't know.
1: We just don't know <laughs> why.
2: It is important to mention that obviously we started a new channel and we have under 500 subscribers at this point. But this is not our. Uh, this is this is not how we're paying the bills. Like we're CNET employees right. and we don't get paid whether YouTube sends us money or not. Like, that that doesn't end up in our bank accounts, which I guess gives us the opportunity to talk about whatever the hell it is that we want to talk about, whether we're demonetized for the day or not. Uh, but it is interesting how quickly...
0: <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Ben, uh, but the point at hand is not about the money. This is clearly headhunting on YouTube's part, and that's a form of censorship. Just okay. And then, there. you know,
1: the term censorship is... it's. Uh, it's a squishy term because censorship. Some people would say, look, it's a private platform. It's a privately owned company. Um, it's not a government utility. It's not like you have a right to free speech on YouTube. They are within their rights to, to, to you know, algorithmically not recommend or or depress anything that they want. Um, but their stated premise is that it's here to be an open forum to the extent that that's safe.
2: You bring up a great point as far as whether people have First Amendment rights on major platforms. Which that's they don't. an argument.
1: Legally, they don't.
2: That's an argument <laughs> that's currently being considered, at least. Yeah. As uh, we start to discuss the potential breakup of big tech, so we're talking about Facebook, Google, Amazon, and help me out here—it's not Microsoft. <laughs> Never mind. Big so, ones. The big ones. All the biggies. All the big ones. So so. It, it's, it's one of the arguments, especially as it relates to YouTube and Facebook, is, you know, have they become so big that um, now people do have some level of First Amendment rights to actually right. say whatever it is that they want to say on those platforms? And when they do become demonetized or deplatformed or whatever you want to call it, do right. they have some sort of legal uh, argument against that? And, and, you know, and that goes back to the lawsuit that we were discussing previously. I
1: would also say, though, that... Um that legal argument at least in terms of optics i think would have been stronger to make like four years ago or three years ago i feel like since we've entered this era where we are so much more skeptical of these gigantic platforms not in terms necessarily of us having free speech but of the fact that they allow too much free speech Hmm. um there's been so much backlash against you know objectionable content hate speech um those sort of things that didn't it wasn't part of the conversation nearly as much three years ago four years ago
2: right I remembered what the fourth company is it's (laughs) Apple but Apple really isn't being treated the same way yeah it's it's, not not only that but like a lot of the arguments related to the breakup of big tech related to Apple have a lot to do with how they operate their app store where they're both a player and a coach they operate the platform and they also have apps on the platform a player
1: and a coach and a ref actually
2: Uh, yes.
1: They're all, they're everything. More like a player
2: and a referee. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They run the platform and they're also on the platform and therefore there are a lot of uh, considerations as far as whether they are appropriately running things in a fair way for everybody that's involved in that system. So, But but yeah, they're certainly, from from my perspective, they seem to be getting way less heat as it relates to this than... Facebook seems to be the one that's getting the most attention, but I feel like YouTube, there's a lot of free speech consideration there too. And that's why, you know, this is an interesting conversation to discuss as far as what this union is hoping to get uh, out of this.
1: And, you know, the fact that YouTube, Facebook, YouTube, the entire collection of companies is facing so much pressure on so many fronts. That's another reason why I feel like creators like those that are represented by this union um, feel like they're not getting their voices heard because they're, There's not a backlash of people. People get, there'll be a backlash over objectionable content being served to kids on YouTube, kids being exploited on YouTube. There'll be a backlash against hate speech on YouTube to a certain extent, depending on what kind of hate speech it is. Um, There's not really a backlash for people that feel like they're being unfairly demonetized or not getting the due conversation from the platform that they deserve.
2: Well, that's one interesting argument that you mentioned is is that... um in your story, it, it was it was kind of like it, it, one of one of the more cynical arguments about the union was: uh, are these smaller and medium sized players just frustrated that they're not bigger, yeah. that they aren't so, some of the more successful yeah. players? You know, yeah. because like, hey, if you were if you were good at this, maybe you'd be bigger and you wouldn't have to complain so much. I mean, like, that's a pretty. Tough thing to say to somebody, but at the same time, when you're talking about unionization and yeah. starting to bash the platform, you, you could see that there could be that kind of backlash too.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that so Hank Green um, and I talked about this in my story um, about how there's just a lot of things at play here. The reasons why big YouTubers wouldn't be responding. They don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. Um, they have a stake in not, you know, rocking the boat. Um, and also, there is an element of, not only like if you were, you, you're you just complaining because your channel is not big enough. And the point that he made is that, yeah, there's a strain of that maybe in some very large YouTubers' thinking, um, partly because those big YouTubers know the sacrifices they've had to make in order to stay as big as they are. But I think most big YouTubers understand that it's kind of a lottery who gets to be gigantic. You, It's table stakes that you have to work hard and commit your life to it in order for you to become gigantically stratospherically successful on YouTube. Mm. But some of it's just luck. And so the complaint is like, you just didn't get as lucky as me, also. Um, Hank's, (laughs) Hank's, Hank's point. Is that sorry? Sorry, you just didn't hit the lottery like I did. Um, Should have picked
2: different numbers. Why aren't you smarter? Hank's point about is doing that, that
1: it's true that there's that vein, possibly in some large YouTubers thinking, but it's also important that they realize that that's not the only thing going on here. That there are some legitimate concerns for these small to medium sized. It's
2: a great point, though. I really, yeah. I really appreciate that argument because it's you know there are a lot of things that really involve luck, and when you look at um, kind of the opacity of the YouTube algorithm along. With a lot of other algorithms that exist online, that's in addition you're layering on top of that just like the life lottery yeah. of you know was your timing right? Did you did you hit the right audience? That kind yeah. of stuff too. So those those two elements can can obviously bake in a lot of uncertainty as far as whether you know you're you're a huge channel or not. For the guy that's really pushing the uh, this union, I wouldn't have expected somebody that builds I don't know souped up slingshots to have two million viewers, two million right. subscribers. So at least to me, that sounds like a lot, but I don't know. It maybe, is a lot. Maybe people. It is a lot.
1: And even less than that is a lot. It just depends on, you know, if you're trying to make it your livelihood. Um, you know, people who write about educational topics have a lot less trouble with demonetization. They could have a channel with fewer videos and fewer subscribers, fewer views, because maybe, like, two-thirds of what they're writing about doesn't get demonetized. Where, like, if you for say, a news channel that talks about controversial topics sometimes, like Phil DeFranco, or if you're a transgender YouTuber and you're talking about sexuality on a regular basis, which also has this tendency to bump up against what seem to be unclarified criteria about what is okay and what is not okay.
2: So I'm glad you brought up Phil DeFranco, because... I knew something happened with Phil DeFranco like a couple years ago where oh, he was speaking out against right. about YouTube. Right. So can you, can you the... remind me a bit about this? Because this yeah. was a case where a major YouTuber was speaking out about concerns with the platform.
1: Right. So that was the U- hashtag YouTube is over party. Um, that, so Philly D, if I remember right, <laughs> Philly, D. Philly okay. D, like going back into my my files if I remember right, the reason for that was a particular, It was a demon, basically it was a demonetization issue. And I believe what happened at that point was um, YouTube was making what should have been a very small tweak. I think what they were doing is they were trying to be more transparent with YouTube creators in that previously, I don't think that there was an easy way to see in one place which of your videos were demonetized. Um, And so they wanted to be more transparent and create a way for you to see which ones were demonetized. The effect of that was that people realized, oh, all of these videos are demonetized. And so some people thought that they had been like all in one fell swoop, demonetized all of a sudden. Um, And that happened to Phil DeFranco. I can't remember the specifics if he actually noticed that because he obviously he and his team keep very close Run a tight ship and keep close watch on their channel. I can't remember if they actually noticed instances of like one day they had so many videos demonetized and the next day it was a lot more, or if it was a combination of like they just realized more, more. I'm not sure how it actually
2: right. panned but out. It, but it goes but it back was, to the point of opacity. Is it goes that, back to the point of know, opacity. We and don't also, know why this happened. How,
1: how a large influential YouTuber can get the conversation going because the hashtag YouTube is over party was trending on Twitter all that day. Hmm. Um, that hasn't happened with, with this thing. But there hasn't also been, like, a crystallizing moment to make people feel outraged enough to rally their supporters to work for this collective, unified cause.
0: Hmm. BBJ? Do you want to try to take uh, a few questions and comments yeah. here? Yeah. Thanks. We have some interesting perspectives. I was going to floor this question to you from Yan. who says, sorry, but, I mean, are YouTubers even considered employees? And Commander Trium beat me to it. Uh, she says, no, not at all, speaking as a content creator. So I want to go ahead and put this out to Commander Trium. Tell us what your perspective and your experience has been. Did you witness any part of the apocalypse? How do you feel about this union effort? I had no idea you had uh, content on your channel, and I'm going to have to go check that <laughs> out. Um, Commander Trium also goes on to say, uh, a union doesn't technically require employees to unionize. Contractors could theoretically form unions as well. So... In that sense, Joan, what are YouTubers considered? Independent contractors or employees?
1: So even the unions themselves, they're not making the argument that they are employees, contractors that deserve... um, They're not going to be pursuing this in court as an argument of we're YouTube employees, we're collectively joining, we want collective bargaining, we're going to play dues, blah, blah, blah. They're not doing the traditional thing. What they're actually going to be doing is they're going to be taking... If YouTube doesn't respond, which they always could, they could come to the table and start hashing these out in person with their representation. If that doesn't happen, their plan is to take them to court over GDPR, saying that GDPR, the European law over data privacy, requires that companies disclose the data that they have, that they collect on people. And they're going to make the argument that the categorization of videos, Mm -hmm. the criteria that monetizes them or demonetizes them, the criteria that um, decides whether something is recommended, whether something is promoted, all that is data on you as a creator. And YouTube is required by GDPR to disclose that to YouTubers. So this isn't, a, even though they're calling some, themselves the YouTuber union and they have a traditional union working on their behalf. This isn't a traditional labor movement, which I think is really interesting because we're not in a traditional labor environment. We've gone past the time where people worked in factories, they're direct employees of somebody. We've, I mean, like it's not just YouTube. It's people that work for Uber. It's people that are not discrete employees of these gigantic platforms, but their livelihoods depend on them in the way that a direct employee would. I think it's super interesting to see how this pans out and whether or not it makes Despite what it happened what happens on YouTube, whether it changes anything for how we consider labor movements in the new era.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. One one of the interesting elements to point out is that a lot of uh, Uber drivers have argued for uh, full employment. So they're saying that we're we're being treated like contractors. However, Uber has created uh, all these. Uh, specific parameters and restrictions on our using the platform to the point that we should actually be treated as employees right um, I don't know if that premise holds for YouTube the same way but
1: yeah
2: I I, I mean I guess they've at least determined that look we're not going to look at this from an employee perspective. Yeah. Obviously Google when we've asked for statements have been very clear about the fact that like no these are not our employees yeah. uh, by any stretch so. Yeah. And
1: and and they aren't. And I think the union had like in their back pocket they might pursue something where they try to make the argument that YouTube creators should be considered to be employees, but the thing that they really I think are going to be going after should YouTube and Google not come to the table um, the thing that they, they're going to go after is GDPR, rather than trying to fight to say these these guys are actual employees. Which,
2: which is a like. novel. I mean, that's an that's an interesting yeah. legal effort, considering the fact that GDPR is so new. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see how far they go with that, because yeah. that could set um, a pretty interesting precedent in how much you could end up getting out of right. a major tech company. Right.
1: Yeah. So before we take any more questions, or if we, even if we have time, I wanted to, we were talking about the um, LGBTQ creators that had filed suit against YouTube. I wanted to provide the YouTube response to it just in fairness. Uh, basically, YouTube has said that they're proud that it has so many LGBTQ LGBTQ creators, and that they are using YouTube to share their stories and build community. All content is subject to the same policies. Sexual orientation or gender identity does not necessarily mean you get restricted or demonetized. Um, Using terms like gay or transgender doesn't mean that you'll necessarily get restricted or demonetized. And in addition, YouTube wanted to emphasize they have strong policies prohibiting hate speech and quickly removing content that violates those policies. So I wanted to get that because, got it. That's really helpful, yeah. yeah. That's 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 their take. That's their statement on it, even if it's not their legal.
2: It, it still feels um, like it lacks in transparency. Honestly, yeah. Um, it, it necessarily was used a few times in there to say, like, look, if you do these things, it's not necessarily this or that. It, it, you didn't really tell me all that much, right? You know. Yeah. So so I think that they are being careful not to uh, provide clear. Uh, specific guidelines, right? Probably to pr- give themselves enough wiggle room, with the understanding that a lot of times these are really complex issues. There's a lot of nuance, so they want to be able to handle them on a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. However, for creators, I can also see their frustration to say you're not giving us enough insights as far as what your guidelines are. So yeah. there, there is,
0: um, there, there are two sides of that, which are, which are interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, we only have a few minutes left, and there's a really great conversation happening in the chat. Uh, But let's take a couple more questions real quick. Rapid fire.
1: Rapid fire questions. Let's
0: do it. (laughs) Brian just says, I feel like uh, hiring humans to support Google products is not Google style. That's a point well made. Uh, But then he goes on, I have a larger question. Would we be collectively better off without algorithms?
1: Uh, That's
0: a great question. It would
1: mean that YouTube as we know it doesn't exist. The only reason that it exists in the way that it does is because it has been able to build itself to the scale that it is using automated machine learning in order to surface the stuff that's supposed to be right for you. I mean, maybe it's an th- interesting thought experiment to think of an alternate history where it was completely human curated, but I think we have that history in front of us. It's not entirely human curated, but Vimeo, you know, it's out there. It's still, you can still upload things there and it's much more focused on human curation, editorial curation of videos rather than the algorithmic. Um, way to go. You know, Vimeo wasn't acquired by Google. It was acquired by another like media focused company, not a tech focused company. So you can kind of imagine what YouTube would look like if it focused on human creation. And that might be Vimeo.
2: Yeah. And there's also a lot of like there are huge chunks of the Internet that function solely because algorithms exist and there's so much there's so much automation that's possible. Uh, Almost all the major tech firms at this point. farm out a lot of their needs because there's so much data and there's so much information and there's so many users Mm -hmm. that they they need those algorithms to actually be able to provide some of the basic
0: operating parts of their services yeah beast asks do we know if youtubers union will go after the flagging program so umg can't flag all the videos and be judging it as if they're not under fair use (laughs)
1: Well, that's one of the things that they're having, flagging is, can be either for takedowns or for demonetization, Um, and that's exactly the kind of stuff they want more transparency about, because if you do, they're, you know, YouTube just had this, they made a change to their um, manual copyright takedown system just last week, because they noticed a trend of people being very, like, people that own the rights to songs being very aggressive about asking for demonetization, basically stealing, not stealing, taking the monetization of a video because like a car was passing by in the video and it played like a tiny snippet of the song.
2: Interesting. So
1: they changed the system. We don't know yet if it's going to actually be helpful for the rights holders of music or if it's going to be better for the creators. We don't know how it's going to pan out. But that's just to say that YouTube is trying to keep an eye on these trends that are happening that work against creators. It's just, even when they make a choice, they don't really know how it's going to, we don't, we don't know. And they don't, they're not telling us how they expect it to play out.
0: One more for the road. Yan asks, if YouTubers have a union, then are we going to start seeing unions for other content creator platforms like Instagram or Facebook live?
1: Is there, isn't there like, there's the meme union or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about on Instagram?
0: Vaguely. Vaguely.
1: Um, which is I think would be really interesting if there are other people that tried to collective like collectively agitate for their rights on, but you know what? I'm a reporter, you're a reporter. I would really like to see that like story play out.
2: Oh yeah. For sure. I don't know if it'll
1: happen, but it would be really interesting. To
2: nobody think. controls memes, though. You, you're going to create a meme union. You're going to have <laughs> control of some of the memes of production, but not all of the memes of production. So, uh, you know, what are, what are you going to do? Like, I don't know. get mad at me because I created a
0: meme that's not a union meme?
1: No, I don't know. But I think there, there is, right? There's like an Instagram meme. I'll have to, like, to look into it. Step. Yeah. Yeah. So For- there's that. <laughs>
0: Really quick, uh, Michael Brown brings up YouTube Red. Would that have been a viable option to mitigate some of these troubles if they kind of centralized and focused the content creation into something a little more legitimate instead of just the Wild West that it is?
1: Right, so um, I'm really glad you brought up YouTube Red because that's one of the things that these small-to-medium creators not necessarily are, like, angry about, but it kind of speaks to one of their primary complaints, which is that YouTube Red was YouTube's... um, original content push. And the only people that they, like, sprinkled all these, like, big buku dollars on were people that were already gigantic on YouTube or they were mainstream stars, like uh, Kevin Hart um, or somebody like that. Like, they have Tiffany Haddish doing and stuff PewDiePie now. that.
2: PewDiePie was involved in that PewDiePie project, was, too. I mean, the biggest
1: of all you. He was involved for a while until the events that led to Apocalypse started happening, and then they pulled that show because it became too radioactive for, mm. for YouTube to be officially condoning his content. Um, but that's... The small to medium-sized YouTubers that are kind of advocating or being advocated for by this union would say that if YouTube Red, which doesn't actually exist anymore, um, were a solution to the problem, that's not how YouTube was trying to use it. They were using it as a way to get people to pay YouTube direct money by leveraging the biggest stars they already could get.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I, I understand their argument that they're basically saying you're you're taking the haves and you're making them the have mores. Right. And why why don't you why aren't you helping us out? You yeah. know, so, um yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. But then again, YouTube Red, even with all their big stars, didn't end up working out. Is that right?
1: No, it doesn't. It doesn't really exist anymore.
2: It, mm. it was
1: they had one hit Cobra Kai. It was like the, the Karate cool. Kid re- reboot. That was like a pseudo hit.
2: Is that now on Crackle? Like no, no, what no, it's still on YouTube. It? And
1: actually, it'll be free next month. You don't have to watch it uh, behind a paywall anymore. They're going to bring it out behind the paywall. Cool. So, hey. Closing
0: <laughs> thoughts from Commander Trium. I think legal tests are probably the only vehicle to remedy this situation. Even more, probably legislation from the government. Although one would expect some caution here. Uh, well said, well thought. Uh, this has been a dense show. Thank you, Joan, for bringing this to the table. It was really fun to have Jorg on. He's an interesting guy. I definitely enjoy his channel, too. Um, I never thought I'd be so fascinated in Gatling slingshots, but I am. So uh, that's what I'll be doing the rest of the afternoon while I don't collect our revenue check from YouTube. <laughs> Joan, go ahead and send us on out.
1: Thanks again for joining us. Just as a reminder, we stream live here on YouTube, Periscope, or at com slash dailycharge weekday mornings at 1115 AM Eastern. If you are enjoying the show, go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, and ring the bell so you can join us every morning. For The Daily Charge, I'm Joni Saltman.
2: I'm
0: Ben fox Rubin. Thanks for watching.